Hello, and everyone, welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast. Uh, we got a good one for you today. We're still doing our Dread X Collection Collection, the collection of episodes where we talk about the Dread X Collection. This is in preparation for the launch of Dread X Collection 3. Uh, I think by the time this one goes live, we'll have pretty well announced the release date for it. But uh, just to be safe, I'm still going to not say it on the pod. We can edit it in after. There'll be a computer voice coming in to say the uh, release date if we've already announced it. And I remember to tell Jesse to do that. But, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, that's the real professional polish and spirit that you've uh, come to love and respect from us. But anyways, we got a great one today. Uh, we got Adam and Victor, who are the dynamic duo that created the Spookware series of games. Uh, it's like horror warrior wear, horrorio wear, uh, something like that. We will. We're still trying to work on the uh, the best way to to announce that kind of subgenre of horror, and it's a uh, it's wonderful. So you know, I, I'm really excited to, be able to talk to these guys about where they come from how they got started it's really you know they're a fascinating duo that makes some really really cool games and uh so we'll talk about that we'll talk about some of their previous games like uh you know no players online stuff like that uh or maybe i can't remember if they made no players online or the one that uh, clearly ripped them off so uh we'll find out about that one uh anyways dj why don't you go ahead and drop that uh, sick beat And uh, I figure that the first thing that Adam over here will want to clear up is whether he made no players online or the other one that just came. <laughs> I, I did make no players online. I wish I made the other one as well, but I didn't. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you want to go ahead and recap what uh, I'm talking about here? Um, so uh, I made a video game called No Players Online, which is um, about um, kind of like a haunted server, whatever. Anyways, people liked it, I guess. And then... People ripped it off, which is fine. It's kind of flattering, but then they sold it as well, and then it's not so flattering anymore. So, yeah, that yeah. kind of sucks. You, yeah. you, you created the idea for a short horror game up on and put it on itch.io, which is kind mm. of the, the place to go for short-form horror games. Um, for sure. And then it was immediately ripped off by 17 uh, other hacks that like, were like, <laughs> wouldn't it be better if you could like shoot things in it? And like, what you if know, you had a bigger map? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what if you had a bigger map or like a chain of like, six weapons or like RPG elements? That seems to be the common theme with itch.io yeah. is that like someone creates something and other people iterate on it, which is mm. the spirit of itch.io. You know, that's, that's like sure, fine. Yeah. But then uh, one of those knockoffs went and started selling itself on the Switch, mm. uh, which is uh, a bit annoying. It is, yeah, because it's, I don't know, it feels like they're, they're beating you to it with, like, um, a, a half-assed version, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know, especially because, like, they put it on itch first, like, a free version, and they said, like, inspired by No Players Online, and I was kind of, you know, it's it's kind of nice, though, when they, like, they, they announce it, and it's, like, a, it's kind of more, more like a tribute thing, um, yeah. but then, you know... They they went ahead and made like into a bigger thing and like all mention of no players online just vanished and yeah I don't yeah know. I, I think that um 
I mean, there is a slight part of, and, and I hope you can see the irony and the poetic justice and <laughs> the fact that you're making spookware, which is uh, inspired by WarioWare. <laughs> it's it. way, way above, yeah. Yeah, and selling it. Although I do believe that Nintendo has more money than you guys do. And uh, like Nintendo is not hurting Thanks for sales. So. Like if you make a spookware, whereas if they mm. make a knockoff of your game that you made like probably very little off of because it was a free game donation based mm. on itch.io. So, yeah, um, and I mean, the tribute is right in a name. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I think that it would probably be less of an issue if their version mentioned that it was in honor of your game, you know, on, 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 on uh, the Switch, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like you kind of want them to, like, say something at least, but then, like, you also understand why they, they are not saying anything because that would... Also, almost be like even worse. They're like, "Oh, we're making a rip of your game," just so you know. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, no I, I think personally, my personal ethos is that if you make it in something that's inspired by something else, and then mm. you drop the inspired by tag, even if it's like more financially savvy to do so, you should still mm. acknowledge that like it's inspired by it. You know, like yeah, for sure. In the vein of this, or you know, in the tradition of this, because you don't have to say like, "Oh, it's a straight rip off," because like. Mm. And that's an old that's an old horror movie trick. If you make a movie that's exactly like another movie, uh, clearly to ape off the success, like Snakes on a Train or Transmorphers, you can say like in the spirit of. Or did any of you ever see those Asylum films, like Snakes on a Train, Transmorphers? Uh, they there was like the Asylum is a company that makes movies that are knockoffs that like your grandparents would get confused by, like the Avengers. Mm. Grand- or uh, what's another one? Uh, Jesse, are you familiar with Paranormal Entity is one of them? I am not. Um, the, uh, the, only, the only the closest thing, thing that I could think, think of would be The Raid 2 as a ripoff of The Raid. <laughs> but they're the same series, so. The Raid 2 is like a sequel to The Raid, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wouldn't they by the same people? Yeah, yeah but, you know, you know it, it felt, felt like a... Cheap it felt, yeah. I don't know. I thought the raid two was amazing. All three and a half hours of it. Yeah, I love it to be honest. It's like you know, um, as a, a non-cultured person, I, w- I I thought it was like um, like a cooler John Wick, but it's more like John Wick is like um, a not as cool date. So you know. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a better that's, that's a better, better comparison. comparison. Uh, John, John Wick, Wick is, is the is the cheap knockoff of the raid. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I, you know what I loved about the raid two was how they brought that one character back, um, like who was a different character in the first the raid, and they just brought him back as a new character in the raid two without mentioning it at all. It's the guy that plays the he has like long hair and he's like very very kind of like grindy looking. That's his like style. I didn't notice it to be honest. So you know they got away with it. Um. <laughs> so he plays the main uh, bad guy enforcer in the raid mm. one, the guy that gets his throat slit with the light bulb. Remember in that big yeah, yeah. That's, That's how I yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dope scene, by the way, when he's like a fluorescent bulb in the jugular and it bleeds out. Super gnarly. Raid two, he comes back as just a different character and no one mentions it. <laughs> I, I, I guess I well, and it's I, I actually really love the raid franchise because it created a whole industry of film in Mm. that area that like Mm. normally wouldn't have a strong film presence um Mm. i think people 
so it's like the raid is kind of like it, it gets it's lumped into like spe- spectacle film because it is. I mean, it's like dudes punching each other for like an hour and a half, and then like mm. the, the raid two is literally just dudes punching each other in cars for twice as long. And <laughs> fantastic, but like it, it often gets lumped into like um, exploitation cinema, which I, I guess it is. But at the same time, like it's it's not really because it it, it like it does elevate. Um, because it was made like in that area with actors from that country. It wasn't mm. like uh, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, a, a similar film that like you know has like a whitewashed cast or something like that. Um, I, the only thing example I can come up with is like The Great Wall, starring Matt Damon as the man who saves China. Like you know where they have these like whitewashed versions of films, but you know the raid is like it employs all like in, uh, Indonesian actors. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think it's great because it really, you know, it's it, and those actors have since gotten careers. Like the guy that played mm. uh, Mr. Griney, I can't remember his name. I really should uh, look up what his name is. Uh, I think Yayan Ruhian. Mm. Uh, but he was also in John Wick, the newest John Wick, John Wick Three. Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, we're on the third one, John Wick. Which is like a really cool tribute. You know, it's like I, I before I knew the raid, it was like a cool fight, but then once you know the raid, it's like oh, it's like a cool tribute, and it's like a crossover almost. You know, so it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, it's Yayan Rahian. Uh, mm. I hope I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that terribly, um, but yeah, I mean, I really like the fact that like that guy was like a martial artist, Indonesian martial artist. He's fi- oh my god, he's fifty one. That dude does not look fifty one. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's he basically uh, is um, uh, he you know basically he 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 now has this acting career because of the raid and uh, before mm-hmm. the raid he was only in one film before that also directed uh, by uh, Gareth Evans who did the raid franchise and since then he was he was in like the new Skyline film by the way if you haven't seen the se- the sequel to Skyline it is the the best probably the best sequel ever made. Because it it starts. Did you ever see? Okay, I, I know I'm going on a rant tangent here. <laughs> Skyline is like one of the worst sci-fi films ever made. Like it's just okay. garbage. I agree. <laughs> Skyline I two ends with like they, they're in like the ruins of Angkor Wat fighting aliens. It's like it's like the it's like a Cambodian uh, resistance fighters versus aliens, and it ends with like a like it ends with an alien knife fight. Oh, and then they get into a Gundam. How did I forget about that? So it ends with a Gundam <laughs> fight. And I'm like, what am I watching? This is the best film ever made. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, Skyline 2, highly recommend it. It's probably the best film ever made, uh, other than all the Raid films and all the other films I weekly say are the best films ever made. But I, I really, I, I really, I have a great passion for trying to, uh, uh, you know, empower like creators that are not the ones we normally see in films like the non Tom Cruises and the, mm. you know, Michael Fassbenders and the, uh, who's the guy that plays the Witcher? Um, who's the guy? Now? Yes. Yes. A great, great, great actor. Love him. But I'm, I'm really passionate about trying to support, you know, actors that we don't normally see in Hollywood films. Mm. So the fact that this has served as a bridge from, I mean, like nine years ago is when the raid came out. And in the, uh, in the- so I'm going to step you now, Ted, the original what? topic was about, his game and how his game got <laughs> oh hijacked yeah so yeah, and hijacked you're like, now you're like talking about east asian film so. I, know, I, I think i think it's great i love I, east asian film yes but uh you've done it i think a lot already has, has anyone seen the night comes for us that's a good movie anyways <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. um yeah. 
Right. So, I, 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 of course, this all makes sense because uh, Spookware was inspired by The Night Comes for Us. Um, the, Netflix, <laughs> the Netflix martial arts film, correct? It, definitely. As oh, someone no, who's a, a big fan of what a, the series you just mentioned, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, actually, I did have a point to this. I remember what my original point was, which is that uh, uh, oftentimes the world of indie film brings together people that normally wouldn't be brought together. And, mm. you know, it's it's only through my delving through the world of itch.io with uh, when I first discovered No Players Online and then I followed you and then you came up with Spookware. And I was like, I should contact these guys to see if they want to be part of uh, the DreadX collection. So I kind of wanted to dig into how the two of you met because uh, uh, I don't think you guys are in the same area, right? No. Um, oh, no. I'm in, yeah, I'm in Belgium and Victor's in... Um... Germany. Um, which, which are but, different uh, countries for the Americans that are listening. Are yes. <laughs> They're almost like half a state away from each other. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. We, we met through like, um, like mutuals. I'd say. Mutuals. Yeah, for sure. Just like, you know, game people. And then yeah. there's other game people. And, you know, you meet each other and it's like, oh, I need music for game. Like, Victor is really good at doing music for games. So, you know, it was um, um, a natural match, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We, I think yeah. No Players Online was also the first thing we made together. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Which so is kind of crazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it. like, God damn it, we, we, we got to make more games together if this <laughs> is what happens. Yeah, I feel yeah. really bad about it. I think I set your expectations too high, and now <laughs> you know you're constantly making music for shit games, you know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So what? Yeah, what did you, Victor? What did you? What had you worked on before uh, working with Adam? Um, I just kind of like um, before I did stuff with Adam, I kind of just like did a lot of jam games. Um, games? and I was like, uh, like a lot of jam games. Um, oh, okay. I did like one with a friend that we had, uh, that we had in common. Um, that was like, um, that was like a, uh, also like a Halloween themed game, um, which was about, um, passing into the afterlife. And it kind of like won that won a prize on Newgrounds, which was kind of cool, but also, kind of funny because like Newgrounds I don't know is like visited by 50 people now yeah, <laughs> it was like kind of a blast from the past um, yeah and that's uh, that's Joel right and you uh, you also know Joel and then we kind of uh, met each other but actually like um, like I haven't done like a lot of stuff um, and um, yeah so and we were both kind of like still very small. I mean, I think we're still very small still, but <laughs> yeah, you kind of get my point, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and I guess, I mean, No Players Online was also like a jam game. Um, originally, yeah. it was for like the, like, I think the Halloween jam for 100 PS1. And yeah. I think we, we, I was like, I know it's too late that it was going to end. <laughs> and so we just like slapped something together for like the last week or something. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. It's an upgrade, so and, yeah, and then expanded on it a lot, uh, in like the mm -hmm. with like the ARG and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, I would say that's probably one of the big things that drew people into No Players Online was not just the fact that it was like a unique idea, but the fact that you also had this like secret ending and then you mm -hmm. tried to do this like outside the game world stuff. I thought that was really interesting. Thank yeah, it's, it's like we I wanted to do like an ARG since forever, but I didn't have like a good excuse for it. Um, and um, the thing was, um, I put like a little secret at the end of No Players Online. Like if you play the game again, like the dialogue was slightly different. Um, and, you know, like people noticed the game because it was like a cool concept or whatever. And I, I was like, I saw like people um, playing it on YouTube and finding the secret and being like, there must be more to this. And then I was like, oh, can I make an ARG out of this? So then I added like more secrets and um, like more secrets. And I spent like two weeks on making even more secrets. And yeah, it kind of just like, develop uh, naturally i guess you know it uh, wasn't planned at all so <laughs> but yeah i think it's funny that the game is listed on itch as a shooter despite the fact that there's nothing to shoot in the game the only thing you can shoot at you can't even shoot at so <laughs> yeah, yeah, i guess yeah. you can shoot at the eye that's the one thing you really can and the buttons and the buttons yeah I mean, yeah. you can technically shoot at anything in the game. It's whether or not those things react to being shot at. That's the question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can push the trigger and the gun fires. That that does happen. Yeah, it's um, that, it definitely is like the undertale of FPS games, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, you know, that's the, I would say that the uh, the spookware is the also the undertale of uh, of short form horror, I guess. Just keep calling yourself the undertale of anything. Like, like they can't yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think that should be the official slogan, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny um, to do, like, really, um, like, short um, just, like, jokes on horror tropes, basically. Because it's, like, um, sometimes, like, some of them, like, especially in the original Spookware, where you had, like, saw through, like, um, a leg or something. Yeah. Like, it's kind of gruesome, but just because of, like, the the bossa nova music and like the presentation of it it's it's kind of like a joke but it's yeah. also still kind of disgusting you know um which yeah. <laughs> is really funny yeah it's yeah. a cool contrast yeah yeah well because i would say that the one that you made for us is like significantly more uh i don't want to say polished but significantly more like adorable than the one that you made yeah so, for sure yeah it's I like mean, uh, mm -hmm. It's it's also it's mostly it wasn't really planned as well. It just um, I don't know. It's because there's like an Iron Maiden mini game, and I was first thinking of making it like really gory, but then I was like, oh, I should add cheese to this, and then I added cheese to it, and then it was way better. So I guess I kind of just accidentally made it more cute, um, but that's good. <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, that, that is good because that was the prompt. Yeah, freaking <laughs> cute. Yeah, and I noticed that a lot of the stuff is like kind of. Uh, tailored to be more adorable like the uh mm -hmm. the cheese like when it closes and there's holes in the cheese and um like the i don't know the kraken is like kind of like the, the boat it's like a funny sounds and stuff like i really i really enjoyed seeing um i guess i shouldn't spoil everything <laughs> before they get but anyways like, like there's a lot of like it's it's definitely more lighthearted uh mm -hmm. horror than uh what you're what you will see in the the 10 games that are currently on itch yeah for sure yeah um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I feel like like horror is like a good good way to do comedy stuff. I don't know. It's like I don't know. It's it, it feels like sometimes it's even like more scary if it's like kind of 
you know. Kind um, of funny. For Senate funny, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I, I don't really I think, think they're you're... also both very visible kind of reactions. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. laughing at something and being scared by something. <laughs> so um, why don't you go ahead and tell us about, you know, some of the inspiration that you had for these micro games for the Dreadx Collection 3. So I, like, I come to you guys, I say, hey, let's make a, let's make a Spookware v2 um like you know, how did you how did you go about collecting because i think this has what 20 more mini game micro games in it mm -hmm. yeah um it's like i don't know i'm just really obsessed with like um tropes in like cinema and stuff and it's like there are so many horror tropes and like once you really like dig into them it's like there's just so much stuff you can do you know um so it's basically like the usual process is just thinking of like oh what's like the cheesiest thing you see in like horror movies and then like oh yeah uh you know shotguns and zombies you know so you make like a, a micro game of shotguns and zombies and you know it it's like it's like a pretty automatic system at this point you know i could probably just open tv tropes and make like a micro game every item in the list you know um <laughs> yeah what i find really impressive that you don't seem to run out of the ideas <laughs> yeah but there's so much to do you know um yeah i don't know horror movies man um but it's definitely more like based on um like cinema i guess you know and like yeah. horror um movies and and stuff and i guess like the the idea was kind of to um make it feel like it's like a really uh condensed horror movie you know like every micro game is just like you know you could you could see it as kind of like a snippet of like this fake film or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, which micro game uh, horror trope subversion are you most proud of? Um, that, was, that was about the clunkiest way I could have asked that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. God, um, other ones, but really? I like. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go on. Oh, you can you can speak. It's fine. <laughs> oh, um, I really like the um, the one that we have with the Bloody Mary trope, um, but specifically, like it's for super narcissistic reasons. Uh, the sound effect that we put in, like you have to write a message on the mirror, and it does like this quickle 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 noise when you like write on the mirror, and it just always cracks me up. That's Every a really time. good sound. Yeah, uh, that's a really good one. Um, and also, I really like the um, like the Medusa one um, because I, oh, I yeah. found like I found like a, like an image um, of like I think the most you know like the most schmucky guy I could find. Um, and then she, he kind of you know you have to kind of look away from like a Medusa, which is trying to be like in your vision, mm -hmm. and um, especially with like the kind of bossa nova like. Music it's so silly, but it's really fun. Yeah, I like that one the most, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are good ones. <clears throat> I really, I, my, yeah. my favorite one has to be the one where you have to load the bullets and then do mm. the shooting. I was like, that's so, oh, yeah. so clever. Like, I don't know. I, it's, it, it's so. Here's what I feel about the the micro games. You you do them once. The first time you do them, you're like, what am I supposed to do? But it's pretty <laughs> easy to figure it out pretty quickly, and that mm. figuring it out is like part of the process. And I really love that. Yeah, I, I think it's like probably the the biggest part of the game is just like um, kind of getting the joke, you know, um, like figuring out the game, and then you're like, oh, okay, this is the joke, you know. Um, it's like yeah, it's kind of yeah. 
I don't know. I don't I know really like that one. I feel like that's <laughs> where we have like the most John Carpenter energy mm. in the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. I'm kind of curious how you do the visuals too, because like it, they all look really great. Like, how do you get mm. the the like? How do you go about building the visuals for each of the games? Um, so the visuals are all just like um, uh, collage images, basically. Um, I just um, I use like there's like uh, Wikimedia Commons, which is just like a huge reserve of just um, like a lot of public domain and like Creative Commons uh, images. But it's really good because like the stuff you find on like Google Images is like it's all like stock photos and they're all really professional and they look like you know good pictures. But like the stuff on Wikimedia Commons is just like people taking pictures and being like this can be used by anyone, you know. And they're kind of they're really shitty or like strangely specific, and it really um, works well to do like graphics with them. Um, and then I put them into the engine and it adds like a bunch of filters and like. Um, painterly stuff so it looks good um, but it's all just images yeah um, so it's kind of the process and it's nice because it's um, it's it's pretty quick to build as well um, because it's just throwing together images really um, yeah. but it looks good yeah well one of the things I noticed is also that you use some like classical paintings and stuff which I'm guessing mm. uh, are in the public domain since the artist yes. probably <laughs> 400 years ago yeah <laughs> that's know, probably like the, the main reason it. probably <laughs> but it also it also looks good you they're know also very funny kind of yeah i don't know oh yeah it's like hilarious the, to repurpose like this old painting of like a priest or like a little demon like into like, mm, a little actress yeah you know yeah and they're also kind of like famous paintings so um you know it feels um, like dethroning something holy <laughs> <laughs> kind of it kind of does yeah it feels to me but like yeah. Put my crappy music under a fusely painting. That's just brings me so much joy. Yeah, God. If Michelangelo knew how hard I was squishing yeah. his art, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, well, you know, Michelangelo didn't want uh, people using his uh, paintings for uh, spooky horror games. He should have uh, not yeah. made them so good. Should have made worse yeah, too. It's, it's really his fault. Gonna be born later. Yeah. yeah. Right. Imagine, imagine being like a painter, and like I don't know when Michelangelo was alive, but then just like you're painting something, and you're thinking like, oh god, this is gonna be in a video game. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you better yeah. cover my bases. Yeah. <laughs> you should, you should make mean, a big mural called the Pristine Chapel and release it on the Switch. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's that's kind of nice. Just the fact that it's all public domain because it's so so old. You know, yeah. I, I sometimes wonder like how people are going to go absolutely fucking crazy when like stuff from the eighties or like now is public domain in like three hundred years or something. Oh, it'll because be it's gonna be. Domain. You don't think so? Yeah, Disney's gonna keep kicking that can. That's why Disney. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah. Change public domain laws is because they're like true. Mickey Mouse is ours forever. Mm, so basically, if we want, you know, if we want the the images to be distributed to the people, we need to bring down Disney. Um, well, we, have take, yeah, we have to take it by force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, vault is, the Disney vault is not a metaphor; it's an actual like Fallout style vault. We got <laughs> to break into. I mean, that's probably yeah. the most interesting repercussions of 
like a movie like Solo not doing well, like while they're not making more mm. Star Wars movies, because you think that you're like, oh, well, Disney can afford for one Star Wars movie to do some subpar, but no, they got to funny funnel all that money into their lawyers to keep changing the laws to keep their mm. like because like mm. you know we're we're just so like crazy we're, yeah we're just six bad bad Marvel movies away from uh, mm. the whole empire crumbling and then all this stuff going into the public domain <laughs> like you don't really. I mean... All the Marvel <laughs> movies are bad, but I know what you mean. Selling bad. Yeah. So basically, every time you're buying like um, like a box set of Star Wars movies, you're you know adding to the them changing the amendment in a few years. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're destroying free speech and creativity by buying yes. uh, an Iron Man figurine for your child. You monster! Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Should be ashamed. Should yeah. Be. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I think that's really, like, something that is, uh, I don't know, um, like, we talked about this, like, a couple of days ago, like, that's something, like, we always kind of have to navigate, because uh, mm. I feel like the art that you make, Adam, is very, like, um, uh, is very, like, referential of things, mm. kind of, mm-hmm. and, like, you kind of, um, and that's, like, for me, too, and I think, like, some of the the things that have like touched us the most and like inspired us the most are mm. like super stupid like undertale or mouth moods <laughs> and then which is just like so much like i don't know like all the all the um all the sound fonts in undertale are ripped from other games and stuff like that yep mm. but it's like still like doing something very unique and original at the same time mm. But I mean, technically speaking, it's probably illegal. Maybe I don't know. I, it's it's it, Nintendo could yeah. probably still sue Undertale Toby for Fox, using yeah. Earthbound's you know samples. You know, if they really wanted to. But you know, I don't yeah. know if they can. Like, and this is like getting more into specifics of like repurposing laws, but it might be mm-hmm. fair use. And they might have gotten those sound files themselves from like public sources. So if they repurpose mm-hmm. those for themselves, as long as he's not using it in like a similar context although i'm not entirely sure i i you know wait you know turtle duke everyone accused turtle duke of uh, ripping off resident evil and turtle duke is no i recorded it myself you know in spanish and then he had to go on twitter and compare resident evil's spanish to his own spanish so people could tell <laughs> the difference because people were accusing him yeah. of ripping off the game and so oh like and also for jedix collection too we have this the paintings that you're talking about we have some of those paintings in the hub house if you look around. So. To, uh, to be fair, Capcom has patented, uh, has a trademark on the language of Spanish. So oh. Oh. Okay. They made Capcom it is just like collecting so much royalties in like the entire Latin speaking <laughs> time of the world. Well, that's the funny thing about Resident Evil fandom too, is that like if you speak creepy Spanish, they're like you're ripping off Resident Evil Four, and it's like really, no one else has ever said something in Spanish creepily. There's a whole country that like speaks that way. There's several countries that speak that way. I bet they've said creepy things before. Like I don't know, is there an audio uh, audiobook version of it in South America in Spanish that people are claiming mm-hmm. rips off Resident Evil Four? It has to be so powerful uh, that you make something popular and then you can just like claim a language or something, you know? Oh my um, god! Yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, you have to like invent your own language. Although I don't think Tolkien could claim Elvish because I think it's based off of some Celtic stuff. Hmm. I think Klingon was entirely an invented language because Gene Roddenberry is a fucking nerd. Uh, the, the the language that I am most impressed by that was created uh, was for Clockwork Orange, which isn't like 
a real language language. It was just a bunch of slang. Mm. We had the glossary mm. of terms in the back of the book. That was really, really cool. Mm, Don't they also yeah. like, speak a bunch of fake German, or am I mixing that up? Uh, in Clockwork Orange? Yeah. I don't recall if they spoke fake German in it. I just know that they had like a lot of like fake phrases mm. that they made up. Mm-hmm. I think it's also oh, yeah. wasn't the book like a lot more intense um and then like in the movie they toned it down a notch, but it was still Yeah, you know, I mean still yes. pretty intense. Well, and that's the thing about a clockwork orange is by modern standards a clockwork orange isn't that intense. Like it was very intense so. when it came out, but it's yeah, I mean, not compared to some movies like films like Irreversible or, you know, mm. Martyrs or any of the French extreme films. I've never mm. seen any of those, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Me yeah, I don't, I don't really <laughs> want to talk about any of those films. I've seen basically every, like, French extreme film there is. I've seen, like, Jalo or, you know, The Hundred Days of Sodom and shit like that. Like, oh, my goodness. Well, I have to. It's like, it's like literally... <laughs> you know what like, I like? I like this movie called Milo and the Adventures of Milo and Otis. Have you heard of that? <laughs> I, I I'm not I'm I don't. It's so funny because like I've had this discussion with other people in the horror community before. Like I've seen all yeah. the human I've seen all the Human Centipede films. I don't recommend that people do. I don't oh my god! Well, right, no, but like I like literally my job is to know everything about horror. That's like my fucking mm. job. But I argue with other people that are like, oh, I don't see that because I don't want to and i'm like i don't want to either but like <laughs> i need to know it's my job this. right and and, and that's and I, I don't think that any of you should see them i'm not sitting here saying like you guys need to watch the human centipede in order to have a conversation with me like i'm not yeah, that guy it, but i talked to other like hmm? uh, was it like um was it like oh my god you shouldn't watch this or like you don't have to watch this let me let me finish what I'm what I'm saying because I think it right. will become yeah, yeah. more clear. Is that if you are going to be a horror journalist and your your claim to fame is that you know everything about horror, but you won't watch certain horror films, like unless you have a very 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 good reason, like moral opposition or something like that, very specific directed moral opposition towards mm-hmm. giving that filmmaker your money, even then you should just pirate it, which I probably shouldn't be saying, but whatever. <laughs> um, like you have to, you have to be appraised of the culture in order to criticize it mm. slash, cause I've seen a lot of pe- pe- people write pieces on these films that they disagree with without having seen them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the fuck? Like you have to watch the thing. And, and, and here's the thing. I would never recommend anyone watch the films that I'm talking about right now, unless you mm. want to deliberately shock yourself. Like there's a film um, <laughs> called the killer inside me uh, with, which stars Casey Affleck. And in the film, there's like a very, very violent scene where he like assaults Jessica Alba in a domestic violence thing. And I, mm. I, I am like, no one should watch this movie unless you're like really like, unless you want to be appraised of all of the things coming out in the realm of horror. And there are mm. some people that like, you know, praise his performance for being so uh, honest. Like in, in in like this is a realistic depiction of domestic violence. It's horrendous to sit through, and I would never mm-hmm. go up to anyone and say you should sit through this movie. But it's a film mm-hmm. I am aware of, and that I have like an understanding of because I, I firmly believe that if you are going to say you are an expert in a topic, you need to know everything about that topic, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just what I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah too. Victor and Adam, what do you think about agony? I haven't just watched like that. The, the feeling or the emotion one of the most extreme horror games that's ever been made at least commercially really I don't know you've never heard it okay and you I, know, I, know, like, the, I know like the really edgy one where you like yes. kill people and it's like oh I kill people but I don't know agony oh that's um, you're thinking of yeah. hatred 
Oh yeah, Jesus, yeah. yeah. No, no, agony is like you're in hell and mm. you're playing as a, a soul and then there's also like a succubus and it's extreme whatever but you know what that's a good point right the fact that you haven't heard about it so if you want to like people can make extreme content but like that just means like if you want to have that artistic integrity of like what you believe is artistic integrity <laughs> but like don't expect people to like know about it or care about it because you know there's a pendulum right and if you swing mm. too far in one direction then people aren't interested I feel like the reason why people are interested in your games um, is because, like, this is what I tell devs. They're like, why didn't anybody care about my game? And I'm like, well, it's either, like, vanilla and bland and, like, it's already been done before a thousand times. Or it's so, quote-unquote, original and extreme that, like, everyone says, like, this is too weird. I don't get this. And so, like, if you want to make something successful, like you guys do, is that you take something that's familiar with a twist and you take a warrior wear and you're twisting it and like it's like that's exciting and interesting mm. so yeah yeah we're on that uh, yeah go on but uh, yeah i don't know it's like i feel i feel like um um it's like I, I also kind of really respect people though that kind of just make things uh just so completely fucking weird and inaccessible just yeah. because I mean, it's like a wonderful, it's like, it's not a waste of time, you know, it's yeah. like, I think there's definitely something worth to it. But also, I think part of the, the hype of making something that's really fucking weird is the fact that nobody will play it, you know, um, and you kind of have to own up on it, you know, yeah. um, if you're going to make weird shit, you know, be ready to be ignored, I guess, you know, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah. I think that... yeah, you should really enjoy the creation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Two two kind of points leading off of that. I, I don't think that if you're going to be a creator, you need to know or have played everything within the genre you're creating. And mm. I think there's a difference mm. between being like, I'm a creator telling a story, like versus like I am an expert in this genre. Like I don't think mm. Heinlein read every sci-fi novel ever before writing mm. Starship Troopers, you know. But if you're going to be a sci-fi expert, well, he, he you should because the book itself sucks. I love Starship Troopers. Are you serious? The book's great. I mean, the movie is great, but the book is like, what, like 80% uh, the guy's in like boot camp and officer training, and he's like, look how cool we are. Well, I mean, there's a, there's dev, there's generally a problem in general writing fight scenes in books because it always comes off as silly. Um, but the scale that he was going for of the combat in the in the books was far different than the film. It was like one, basically each space marine in the in the book like killed like ten thousand people by themselves because they're basically walking Gundams. Like so, it's a very very different feel. Um, and the the book is actually like a lot less anti-fascist than the film is because the film is like it's like Verhoeven was very clearly going for like an anti-fascist like parody piece, whereas the book is yeah, a little bit more. Vague. Fascist. <laughs> a little bit more fascist, yeah. Um, although yeah, it's, it's really not clear whether or not Heinlein was being, like, deliberately fascist or, like, tongue-in-cheek sarcastic. It's kind of like, um, what's that, Rud Rudyard Kipling's uh, White Man's Burden poem. It's like, we're, we're at this point where we can't tell if he was being sarcastic or not, which is, like, <laughs> actually kind of brilliant if it was intentional, but it's <laughs> horrifying if it wasn't intentional. And that's the kind of art that I think is, is very interesting. But um, going back to the original point that Star was, was making Sorry. about, uh, uh, you know, making of things, um, I, there was a piece of advice I got when I was younger uh, that took me a very long time to kind of process and learn from, but it, I, I always like to say it, which is that um, everyone's so interested in being edgy and unique 
that no one mm. thinks about just doing something good. And I don't mean more yep. good, but like doing something well. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think it's also, yeah, I, I mean, it's like, um, I think it's imp- it's important to do like unique things, but definitely like it should be more about like, you know, um, you know why? Why are you making? You know, there has to be points to it. You know, um, I feel like a lot of people just like um, make stuff because like um, they're just like obsessed with finding like a really original idea, and then they have it, and they think it's the idea is all that it is. So then they protect it, and they're like, "Oh, it's my million dollar idea," and then they launch it, and then they realize it's been done like a hundred times before. You know, it's like I don't know, um, Adam. We- when you ma- yeah. when you make games, do you sometimes like think in your head like, okay, this is gonna be like a super personal idea, and this is like gonna be an idea that really resonates with people, or do you just like kind of put them out there and see what happens? Um, I, sometimes I think I have an original idea, but then I don't because original <laughs> ideas. But, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's sure. like the whole point of what I'm saying is that it's overrated. Yeah, um, yeah, because... exactly. Like ideas are useless. To be honest, I mean, mm. um, execution is everything. Yeah, uh, I well, do believe like, them. My role is like, uh, does it resonate with people? Because you can make mm. something that you think is cool and is awesome. And mm. I've seen, I've had this conversation with dozens of developers that are like, I've been working three or four or five years on this game, and I don't know if anybody cares about it. And I'm like, mm. well, why did you work years of your life on this game? You know, like, why did you mm. keep it a secret? Why didn't you show anybody? And mm. like. If you've already done it, like gone this far, you know, just make it for yourself at this point. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you, want to, you know, you need to experiment and try different things to see what people actually like. If you care about them actually buying it, and not just mm-hmm. like what your parents and uh, your friends think, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's also like, um, I, 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 I really, really I, I do like, I do like, um, I really like doing like a lot of short games just because it's like, yeah. oh, I have this idea, and it's like I want to know if people are down. Or like if it's just me that's interested in this and then you like you make a really small version of it and if people do not give a fuck then you know you still did it you know but i feel like there's a lot of people that just you know they have like one idea and then it's like oh i'm going to vote devote my life to this idea and it's like yeah. at least yeah, ask nursing. someone if it's cool you know maybe i don't know um and sometimes it is cool so you know but i think also <laughs> that like personal relationship uh, and kind of like romance with like an idea can also be very short-lived and fulfilling and that's okay like you just do something in two weeks and like mm. you've kind of like explored it for what it is mm. you're like i'm done with this like I, this I feel great. Also, it's also like it's, it's way more addicting just to do like constantly do like small stuff and just yeah. be like oh i'm going to try every single idea i have you know instead of yeah yeah I don't think it's 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 really not fulfilling to. I, I feel like there are a lot of people um, they they find like a really cool idea and then they they're like really um, like um, I'm gonna do this thing and I'm going to plan ahead for like a year or two and then you know they don't you know it, like the charm wears off really quickly for like a mm. cool idea really fast so like you 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 give up in like two months because it's like you know uh, I just actually. I, they actually just want to show the idea to people, but like they're they're afraid of showing it or something. So they need they think they need to spend like a year on it, you know, just to show it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and also yeah. like yeah, and on on the other point that um, you guys were making with like um, 
being like an expert on the thing you're doing. I, I never play horror games. Like I played Amnesia when I was five, and that's it. Um, I don't what? know. They just How are you? <laughs> okay, no, I wasn't five, but you know, it felt like I was five. Anyways, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just they're they're so scary, you know, like horror games. It's like I feel like Amnesia it's okay came out movies. ten years ago, so we all just learned that Adam is fifteen. Okay, <laughs> I'm fifteen, but. <laughs> I'm 21, but um, ah. um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like fucking. I, don't, it, I feel like it's it's way more visceral, you know. Video games. It's like a horror game. It just like it, it overcomes a uh, horror f- um, film. Like overcomes you. You know, you can just close your eyes, but like in, in video games, you can't do that. And it's like I feel. I always feel like a dick to myself for not announcing if there's going to be a jump scare in like a game I make. Because I know there are like people out there like me who will never play a game unless they know 100% for sure if there's going to be a jump scare or not, you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to be accessible, but, you know, we don't want to spoil it as well. It's, yeah, jump scares, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel like every like- cafe and people keep talking about it. Like, people keep asking me and Ted, like, is there jump scares? Oh, my God, like, I can't do scary games. I can't do jump scares. <laughs> And like most of our developers, I think we like design has got horror design has gotten past that at this point. Mm-hmm. And most of our developers don't want to do that. If you actually, if anyone at, that listens to this podcast actually plays the collections, like <laughs> you know that most people, and if they do do jump scares, they're very tactful. Like they're mm. they're not like Five Nights at Freddy's because again, like everything evolves. Like I'm, you know, we're past amnesia at this point. <laughs> we're past Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, mm. Sorry, sorry, did I interrupt you? Oh no. no. Fun, or wait, I don't know. Wait, if you let's not be too. Let's not I be can too. only tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, please keep going. <laughs> well, let's, be <laughs> let's, like, let's not be too critical of Five Nights at Freddy's because I think Five Nights at Freddy's don't is a jump scare game. Like, they mm. don't come out of nowhere. Like, you mm. know when there's a jump scare coming. Like, they build to the jump scare. I am a Five Nights at Freddy's like fan. Okay, I just want to say that right now. Why? Because. The lore is just so interesting. There's a lot mm. of bits about that game, and people focus on the thing. Uh, like, for example, Dark Souls is a game you can play all the way through and not know any of the story. Mm. But like, there's so much to Dark Souls there, right? If you actually pay attention to what's mm. going on with the world building and the characters. And uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is the same thing. And so people, and also a lot of people didn't even play it. They just like heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. I really, I really, um, I really love like, um, like games and like um, where you can just, you play the entire thing and there's like a general atmosphere and stuff, but there's really, um, it doesn't like, it doesn't um, throw like law in your face, but if you want to search for it, there's like, you know, a whole wiki of law, you know? Um, and then I thought like Portal is probably like the game that does that the best oh, in my yeah. opinion because it's like um, you're constantly like underground in the game and stuff and you're constantly seeing like parts of it and there's not even that much law but it's more like implied law you know you know there's probably something behind every wall and it's like really painted well you know so there's like this whole illusion of like the game being huge and there being like a whole world to it you know um but there isn't but it's like i find it really cool when when you can do like world building that's so successful then um you kind of start um the players kind of just start imagining that the world is like that is that is way more to it you know 
Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, or you can do what I did, and like no one knows that there's a story to your games. Yeah. <laughs> so then you have to super explicitly spell it out in Collection Three. Spoiler alert. Yeah, and but to be honest, there's always going to be like one person that finds out, and you know, maybe oh, yeah, they'll write I, like I an article people, or something, and then it's like hell yeah. I have people you know damning me. me trying to figure out the story of the first two. So oh, that's nice. hopefully with the third one, people will go back to the original two and be like, oh yeah, he did put that story in there. Hmm. Oh nice, yeah, <sighs> would be cool. Well, this is like me, like like I talk to all of our artists, and I'm like, simplify, 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 because like when when it comes to marketing, like the the shortest way is like how like that. You know, Jesse's talking about how bad the Marvel movies is, but like I'm here to make money for this company, and so like I have to basically simple, you know, because everybody wants to make something that's cool. They think mm-hmm. like something cool means it, it has to be like like huge and extravagant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like the opposite. It's counterintuitive. Mm. I know. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like the. I think it's kind of like an interesting tension when you do art because you kind of have to be a very clear communicator on the one hand, but you still have to leave enough mystery, mm. and so that people can actually find like themselves to a certain degree in something, even if you mm. didn't really um, try that. Mm. Try yeah, for that sure. Back. It's like yeah, definitely. Um, uh, that's a kind of the point mostly about the puzzle thing is just like um, you really don't have to do a lot to really sell that there's really like your game is huge you know like mm-hmm. even just making a room like slightly more dark you know will give the player a more of a sense that the room is like bigger and more detailed you know yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it really does work like that yeah I mean your game designers and like which means that you like work in the best medium and you have the most options than like movies or like anything else mm. to build atmosphere and like so, okay I want to ask you guys like uh, Victor are you are you like really young too like um I'm 27 I you will yeah. make of that what you will okay. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's wonderful uh, I just like, what, like what your guys goals are like. Like after, like, what do you, where do you guys see yourself in five years from now? What do you want to do? Um, <clears throat> hopefully, make more games. Probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know. I definitely, I definitely want to um, build towards doing. Um, I feel like I, I, there's like a lot of games I still want to make, just like mm-hmm. in general, um, like lots of ideas to explore. And I feel like there's not enough time to do all of the ideas, you know. Um, and I feel like the more time I can make for myself to explore all of the ideas, you know, that would be ideal. Just being able to, you know, go full time doing exploring ideas, I guess. And then every time when I find something that works and that's interesting, make it into a bigger thing. I think that would be like a life I would be good with, uh, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What about you, Victor? I think that's a really good answer because uh, I would basically <laughs> also say that. Because uh, I feel like, um, I don't know, like a half a year ago, I was always like kind of thinking like if you do video game stuff, you kind of have to, especially if you do like music, you kind of have to have all these tropes ready. Like you have to do JRPG music and you have to do this and that. And there's actually so much more unexplored stuff out there. Mm. And, and that's kind of, I don't know, that's that's not really like a, oh, that's not really like a real job answer but it's like what i would like to keep doing like just 
exploring weird combinations of music mm. and how that interacts with games and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, definitely. Like I've been doing game a month for like two years now, which is crazy. But, um, I feel like, I feel like I could do it forever, you know? Um, and it's just nice being able to do quick games, you know? Um, just, um, and being like, I feel like the more I do it, like the faster I get at doing it, which is nice because like I can focus less on making the game because, you know, making the game is not really, I mean, doing the coding and whatever, like who cares, you know, um, but like just being, getting as quickly as possible to a point of, oh, this is the concept, you know, like this is the experience. And then you can like try it out and it's be like, oh, this is like a thing and maybe it works or something, you know. Do you ever yeah. think of switching medium? Switching medium, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I want to try it, but then like realized, um, like other games stuff are harder to do than games. Yeah, games are easy or something, and then I'll go yeah. back. <laughs> no, but it's like yeah, I really like I really like the interactivity game. of games, but I also really hate the fact that it's so interactive. You know. Um, Sometimes I, I, you know, you look at movies and it's like, oh, it's so nice that it just goes like in one direction. Oh my God. And there's like it's scenes so... and it's like, oh, I, I, you could never get away with doing this in a video game. And it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of annoying, I guess. Yeah, but, um... you have a lot of authorial, like, control. Like, even if I just, like, score, uh, like, a um, cutscene. I realized just like, oh my God, like I can make like every note perfect for that moment. Mm. And it's like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's really amazing, but it's also yeah. really cool to just like put it in and like have everything interact with each other. Yeah. And it's also a nice thing about video games is, um, I don't know, just like the fact that you can, um, you don't really have to um, design it as much, you know, you can, it can be more like, um, like uh, you can create like a space and like um, a thing and just let the player kind of do their own thing and it's kind of cool, you know. And you can't really do that in other mediums, I think. Um, so that's kind of interesting, you know. It's kind of like architecture, I guess. In the yeah, way. You're, you're, you're hitting at something that I, I, I used to talk about a lot about when I was uh, teaching. Um, like the, the interactivity between the player and the, like, the navigable space of like the world of the game is that like as opposed to other mediums, like film or books like <clears throat> there is a singular text of the book that can be mm. like, viewed objectively but there is no mm. like singular gameplay experience like you know mm. uh, in, in a film uh when you know uh i'm thinking let's just say alien you know when mm. uh, uh the alien comes down and attacks the guy in the vents mm. and drags him away and he leaves the flamethrower behind there's not mm. going to be a version of that film where he takes the flamethrower with him. There's not going to be a version of that film where he attacks the alien, or there's not going to be a version of the film where he lo- he goes down instead of up and then doesn't meet the alien, you know? Like, that doesn't... Yeah. There's only one version of the film yeah. that can be viewed objectively, and, like, regardless of mm. what your viewing experience is, of, mm. like, you know, where you can watch it on a VHS... Like, there's there's a lot of discussion of, like, the, the medium with which you watch it. Like, if you watch an old CRT TV or something like that, like, or an old mm. TV, like... Yeah, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. that's all a discussion, but... Like you, the, the the film, there's a singular film. However, mm. the, the game itself, like the game exp- play experience, doesn't exist until the player plays it. Because like Call of Duty might be a very linear game, but what gun are you going to be using? What pathway do you take to the level? It's going to be different yeah. every time. You're going to have a million yeah. people playing it. They're all going to play it a million different ways. Um, yeah, yeah and, totally. And also, also like um, I think that's like a point. Like um, 
it's easy to miss in video games, but like part of what makes video games cool is just like the fact that you're able to miss content. It's like the only like mm. art form basically where it's totally normal to you know miss the content. You know, yeah. like walk past an important thing, you know, and that's like really what's cool about it. You know, it's like you can make a lot of content and just like count on the fact that not everyone will have seen all of it, you know, and then like reward people and like have like little personal moments with players for those people that do find like the more hidden stuff. And, you know, I think that's really cool. Um, and, and I think and so, that, uh, like, a really great example of, of that, uh, that specifically, is the original Dead Space. Um, mm. Because people don't really realize it, but the original Dead Space has very few cutscenes in it. Uh, most of them mm. are, like, camera control and stuff. Um, and I'm talking about cutscenes in the sense of, like, Resident Evil 4 cutscenes, but the, car- mm. the camera will pan out. Very, very, very choreographed cutscenes. Whereas Dead Space, like, even when they're having dialogue between the players, the player can still walk around and look around. They're like, how do we draw the player's eye towards a certain thing so we can have a scare mm. they're not going to miss um, if mm. we're going to allow them to have mm. control over their player the whole time? Um, Dead Space mm. 2 has a few more cutscene cutscenes, but the original doesn't really. Um, mm. And so, like, they were talking about, like, how to set up the lighting to draw the player's eye towards that area, how to have audio cues, how to have sufficient build, how to time the cutscenes so the player doesn't get bored and look away. Like, very, very, very interesting uh, stuff, because you can't, if you're not going to lock the player into staring at it, something, which is what a movie does, how do you get yeah. them to look at it on their own? And I always thought that was very, yeah. and especially in yeah. horror, that is a fascinating question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like I, I think I play I played this like edgy game. Um, I forgot the name, which is not good, but um, it was like um, you're like on an interstate or something, and you step out of the car and you just like walk around. Um, but I thought it was really good because um, it's like there's like a, a bunch of things you can find, um, but like just like the way you walk through it, like you're always like drawn to something, and you I really like left the game being like was this how they designed me to walk through this thing because there was like nothing really telling you you should go here you know but you kind of think you're probably seeing all the right stuff because everything just flows nicely but i mean for i could have gone like the completely wrong way but it still works because that's like it's not the point that you're supposed to walk through it in the right way you know just like yeah. And it's cool that you can, like, you know, miss stuff and, it, and you don't even notice, you know, it's like that's the game for you, you know. Yeah, I think, um, that, um, Jesse, you played a game recently that was very similar, um, where the water tastes like wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was, uh, I feel like I missed uh, so much of the content because it's it takes place where you're just allowed to roam the entire continental United States. Uh, and it's, you know, obviously it's... it's pretty big map <laughs> it's pretty big yeah um, i mean obviously uh you know they had to shrink it down a lot but mm. you can maybe see like one medium-sized state at a time um mm. and so you know like my route across the state uh was through the south so i didn't see anything through like michigan or mm. uh um you know i don't know what other states are up there you know Somebody could look at a map and see, figure it out. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and I still found like, you know, it was still the content was still arranged in such a way that even though I didn't see all of it, I still saw enough that it formed a coherent story and was, you know, still super compelling. Yeah, also, you, 
the, on the overworld you play like uh like a, a 900 foot tall skeleton guy that's nice. <laughs> player avatar. You're not oh, in the story a 900 foot tall skeleton guy. That is no. The- I mean, my interpretation is that you pilot it like an Ava, and you know, just oh, a yeah. big, uh, uh, you know, skeleton and a sombrero. It was pretty rad. Whistling hobo tunes. Yeah, with a bindle. <laughs> yeah. Really, really great game if you're into artsy games. By the way, I, I actually I, think Where the Water Tastes Like Wine I, is probably my one of my favorite games of the year. I yeah, I hear you do that well, which is a shame. It yeah. was really cool. I mean, this is the the question of like, you know, are you too unique? I mean, you have a game where literally the the, the core driving principle is to just kind of amble around the United States as a hobo skeleton, and like, who's going to buy that game other than people like me? And I don't even think Jeff <laughs> bought it; he got a review code. So yeah, <laughs> that's why it's like my job to be the marketer to like know, like, oh my god, this game is so awesome, but like nobody's going to buy this. I'm so sorry, you know, like. Uh, unless you have, like, unless, you know, there's a very niche audience that, like, will celebrate it to the end of time, uh, which is, like, very hard to find. And, like, and, like, this is not, like, the marketer's fault. This is, like, the idea of the project itself. The water tastes like wine. I think Ted and I make up probably 5% of that audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. You, do like, you do, like, the, the weird stuff. Like, I actually was DMing uh, Justin Wang today about that. I was like, uh, of course you'd like Dreddick's collection. Like, this is all you care about is, like, this weird underground stuff. Your whole YouTube channel's about that. And he's like, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> he wants that obscure. Uh, but, like, you have to, like, also still give it context to make it cool. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You need, like, I mean, it's something that's, like, really niche and weird is cool. But, like, you also need to tell people that it's, like, niche and weird so they know it's, like, oh, I need to play this because it is niche and weird instead of just being... Something you find out that is niche and weird once you accidentally find it or something, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't think that the game would have been impossible to market. Um, mm. Like, I think that, you know, they've released a soundtrack and harder push on the soundtrack stuff. You know, done more marketing that leaned into the folksy, folk sing, singer style. I think that would be, that would, well, it like, would have done better. But How many gamers are into folksy music, though? Is, is that... See, that's the thing. Is like, were gamers at that time, like, into that? Like, and because there are trends. There are trends. And sometimes gamers like the, the weird stuff, but you have to, like, hit it at the right night. Like, like uh, Goose Game is, like, the right mm. game at the right time. <laughs> I don't think before or after that people would want Goose Game. But, like, I feel like you look at all these trends that are, like, dying off, and then you capitalize on the next trend that's, like, coming up. And it's, like, mm. that nice. Like, that's why, like, luck is definitely something to do with it. So... I think maybe at a different time where water tastes like wine maybe could have done better. Um, but I think that they did the absolute best that they thought they could. Oh, this is um, actually this is actually interesting because I was just going to bring up uh, Gone Home as yeah. an example of a game that uh, was sold because it pretended to be a horror game and then it subverted your mm. expectations and people were pissed about that. But it, I, was, <laughs> I was actually thinking about, like, would Gone Home have sold if it just advertised itself as uh, not a horror game, as a game where you just walk through a house? Probably not. Um, but I just found out that the guy that wrote and made Where the Water Takes Like Wine worked uh, on Gone Home. So, yep. Really? Yeah. Yep. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, like, uh, indies, the indie world, especially in America, is very small. Like, it is a, a because you, you don't trust a lot of people you work with, because there, <laughs> there's a lot of business partners that don't work out, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of, like, mm-hmm. 
people are I just want to let all the business partners out there to know that I work out. I work out a lot, so. Uh, <laughs> no, like, me and Ted are, I think, an exception. Like, me and Ted work really well together. Uh, but, like, I've worked with people. Ted's worked with other people. And it just hasn't worked out. Why? Because Ted and I are fierce at working really hard. Like, we go after mm. it. Like, we, we're go-getters. And, like, there's other people that work at different pace. And, like, me and Ted are like, no, go, 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 go. We need it now, now, now. Um, and that's why <laughs> we also have, like, similar ideas. Like, we have, like, similar goals, like, naturally. Like, we're, you know, so we agree with each other on a lot of things uh, because we we like that. You know, not because, oh, some other person said it, therefore we must do it. But, like, we're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, like, on its own. Like, I don't need to trick myself into liking what they're saying. Hmm. So maybe are are you guys like that too? Because I mean, I have to say, like both of you are amazing. Like Victor bl- completely Thank blows you. my mind all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I keep giving Victor. I'm like, Victor, how? <laughs> I feel that as well. Thank I mean, much, I feel yeah. I feel like working with Victor is nice. because I because I'm always just like you know, you ask for a song and it's like really nice and it's like, oh god. I'm so glad I found you. Please don't run away, you know. So I guess it's more like Stockholm syndrome, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we, I, I feel like we're on the same level um, on like a lot of yeah. stuff, which is good. I think you know, we also always find out like sometimes that we just have like, uh, like randomly that we have like mutual interests that we didn't know about before. Mm. Um, like Adam was sending me this album of like. Uh, uh, it's like from the 80s like space music mm. like orchestral astronaut i don't know what uh like the do you remember, do you remember what i mean yeah it's like the you know like um Corny i don't remember the name music. of the album but it's like 60s space music you know it's like when they For made like, like when they were like oh yeah string orchestra space music and i, I sent it to him was like oh i should we should totally make a game that's like based on this stupid music and he was really down so you know we might make a game based on that but um (laughs) yeah and like just like like you're like a dev that uh wants to do like a lot of things that are not like typical game music or like where there's space for that because you Mm. also take a lot of inspiration from other media and movies and stuff like that Mm. like yeah uh, yeah like for example yeah sorry no please finish (laughs) Oh yeah, like there's the two, like the uh, Nosferatu music and the um, and the in Spook Bear, like is super inspired by like uh, music of like Arnold Schönberg and like early 20th century kind of um, expressionism, oh. and like I don't really get to do that very often because. Um, I, I don't know. There's just never really a need for that. And like with like somebody like Adam, who like does a lot of unique things and like takes uh, unique influences or influences that are kind of foreign to gaming into that stuff. I get to do a lot of different things, and I'm interested in doing a lot of different things. So that's really cool. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. I think that's like a, like a big driving force with um, <clears throat> how we work together because we're both kind of like of the opinion that like games are. You know, like too self-referential <laughs> and stuff, and games are stupid, and who cares? You know, yeah. and um, you know, we both like doing like, oh, you know, you know, there's no game based on 60s space music, so there totally should be one. You know, um, yeah. because it's like, yeah, I feel like 
I don't know. I see so many games about Mario and like so many games about jumping, and it's just like, oh, it's so, you know, I don't know. Why do you care so much about video games? You know, there's like all this other stuff that could be made into games, you know? Um, and I feel like that's probably like something we um, agree on, and it's like a yeah. good way to start stuff, which, which is also kind of weird because I mean, we are making like a game based on a game and like our yeah. biggest game is like a game based on games you know but it's also not you know it's yeah i don't know um it's really weird yeah i do like how your guys is, is a collection of small games within a collection of small games yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah i uh, guess so you wish we should oh take a collection uh, <laughs> oh is God. there going to be a well, collection once you once you do like a dreadx collection 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 where you just clump all the dreadx collection games together then it will be several layers deep i don't know we'll figure it out <laughs> not this, this is, is not an official announcement of the dreadx collection 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 but it actually is Wait. it is very <laughs> official at this point this is not the first time somebody's mentioned that it probably won't be the last <laughs> like Damn. like holiday special best of like, i mean it seems like the logical give the people you know, what they want you know? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would be uh, very surprised if this is the last time that the DreadX label puts out a game tuned into our showcase on October 31st for more information. <laughs> Can I actually ask you guys something? Of course. Yeah. Uh, how do you like? Um, how do you pick out devs or teams? Because um, I mean, this one like seems to be like a lot of people that we uh, kind of like are familiar with from like PS1. Um, from like yeah. the whole PS One horror um kind of deal. Well, yeah, like was it a co coincidence that you, like this nope. collection had okay. like a lot of okay, all right, makes sense. Actually, <laughs> right, actually, yeah. kind of was. Um, I, I, so I started. You mind if I take this? Oh yeah, it's all you. You're the one who, uh, yeah. Like one day Ted's like, okay, got all the developers. I'm like, what? <laughs> Already? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So, when I did the first collection, I literally just cold called people. Like basically, mm -hmm. I met Eredorf uh, because I did a podcast with him just randomly, and I was like, okay, this mm -hmm. did pretty well. Let's see if he wants. To. And, and he had mentioned on the podcast that he'd really like to make a, his version of PT someday. And I was like, and basically, I I I, I did the podcast with him. Two weeks later, we were having a call uh, for Dread XP um, and Dread Central because it's uh, we're, we're uh, part of the same network, and we were like, basically, we can't shoot any films right now because they they normally shoot films. Like, what are we gonna do to create content in the meantime? And I was like, uh, let's make a game. And they were like, okay, uh, what kind of game? And I was like, uh, we'll make a horror anthology game, which doesn't really exist. There's this haunted PS1 demo disc. Um, but it's basically demos for other games. So instead of having that, let's let's have something where everyone makes something original for us. And uh, mm. they were like, do you have a theme in mind? And I remembered Iridorf saying that he wanted to do something like PT. And I was like, let's do a PT thing. Because like PT was a short game and it was like a demo for something larger. So instead of, instead of, instead of making demos for something larger, let's make things that are the playable teaser for the dream project you want to make. So these theoretical dream projects. So make your own mm -hmm. version of PT with no promise of like it being made into something bigger in the future. It's like, if you were to make a PT for a project that you really want to make, what would it look like? Um, Cause you know, like PT was kind of its own experience. Like Silent Hills wasn't going to be PT times 40. It was going to be like a bigger game. And PT was just kind of like a proof of concept of the themes of the world, you know? Um, yeah. 
So they were like, do you have 10 developers on mind? And I was like, absolutely. Uh, and I only had Eridorf in mind. So as soon as we hung up the call, I had to well, just like start calling developers. Here's how he picked them. He set a grid on the ground and he put a bunch of names on there. And then he put big piles of like uh, sunflower, you know, basically bird seed on the ground. And then he just like let me loose out of my adult size hamster cage. And the first 10 that I ate off of, he's like, okay, we'll go with them. I literally just cold called people. Like I, I just like yeah. I called Eridorf and he was like, sure. And then I, he, he put me in touch with Dave Shemansky. David Shemansky didn't want to do it at first, but then I talked to him a little bit about it and he's like, Oh, that actually sounds really cool. And that's basically the experience I've had with every dev that I've called. I, I, I've only gotten really like three hard no's out of like the, like probably a hundred people that I've talked to about this. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so the first one was just, you know, I knew Kyle, who's Malik from, I met him in San Antonio when we were doing a PAX South. Uh, you know, a lot of them I just kind of just randomly called because I'd met him at conventions from being a journalist. Um, most of them were people, you know, like with Adam, I just, I just DM'd him. I was like, hey, mm. I'm doing this thing. You want to be part of this? He was like, sure. Um, <laughs> and that's how I kind of recruit all the devs. For the, the second collection... A lot of them, once again, was people that I just knew from conventions and things like that, like uh, Akabaka, mm -hmm. I met at uh, DreamHack. And then for this third one, um, a lot of that one came because I didn't want to use any developers. Again, I didn't want any repeat, repeat developers. The only repeat developer we have is Turbo Duke because, um, I don't know, I like him. And I was like, eh, we'll keep him. Uh, I like mm. the rest of them as well, but Turbo Duke had less <laughs> in his schedule. Basically, everyone else was busy again. So instead of mm. just having... Uh, a couple repeats we just had one repeat which was Torval duke um and then yeah. everyone else was like recommendations and it just so happened that uh uh a lot of the recommendations came from people within the haunted ps1 community so it was mm. it was kind of uh like uh brogon what i believe was the first uh haunted ps1 person i brought in and then bryce butcher was recommended by uh someone else uh that had worked with the haunted ps1 community and then a lot of those names and like Frankly, I didn't even realize that you guys had done Haunted PS1 stuff before I hired mm. you guys. Like, you guys oh. were because of No Players it's... Online and then Spookware. Yeah. Yeah, which are both, I think, PS1 things, right? Yeah. I mean, I like, mean uh, we, we both made them for the jam, but I guess we didn't really um, market it as much as, like, yeah. the Haunted PS1 thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's only, like, more recently I've really gotten, like, involved with them. Because, um, like, um, I wasn't, like, involved with them at all for No Players Online. And then um, it was only, really only after that game, I, I, like, I joined, like, the Discord server. And I was like, oh, this is, like, a, a big thing, you know. A really it's, cool like, community. And, like, cool people, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's Very a really, creative. Really, yeah, it's a super, super great community for people that are, you know, trying to get their... their trying to get, get a start in indie horror, you know? Or even mm. people that are more established, you know? It's 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 a really cool resource. Um, mm -hmm. for yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not, like, an accident that I... Uh, it's a... Some of it's a coincidence. Some of it was, like, deliberate. Um, and then, you know, some of it was based on recommendation. And, of course, for people that are already within the Haunted PS1, they're probably going to recommend people that are also in the Haunted PS1. Yeah. Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, but I also, like, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a similar thing that, you know, we're doing with this versus... There, it's similar, but it's also very different. Like, the Dread X collection, 
is like a commercial product that we do ask people to put like mm-hmm. some time into to make a pr- commercial product, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And Haunted PS1 is more experimental. Um, yeah. yeah. We have experimental games within our collections. I mean, we put out Rock Gut, for God's sake, in the first collection, <laughs> so we're not mm-hmm. against experimental. But um, we're, we're like in general looking for. Uh, I mean, we pay. You know, that's a big difference, too. Yeah. Like we pay yeah. our developers. Yeah. So when we pay them, we expect there to be a certain level of polish put into it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're not AAA status by a long shot, but mm. we do put money into our games. So it's like, you know, we expect there to be a little bit more polish and effort and bug fixing and mm. things like that. Because at the end of the day, yeah. you know, like if you put out a game for the Haunted PS1 collection and like it has a game breaking bug, you can just be like, well, fuck it. Like, you know, it was like this little project I did over a week. Like, I don't, I, I don't intend to ever come back to it. You, it's up to you. It's on your, you're, you're, the onus is on you to fix it. You know, which yeah, is this yeah. is like, it's a commercial product. People, if there's this bug in it that's unfixed, then people are going to refund your game, you know? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a big difference. But I think that's really cool that you guys are doing that. And, um, I don't know, because I, I feel like um, people are also kind of longing for short, tight experiences. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like um, I talk to people all the time uh, like that are in their 20s that are like, oh man, I love video games, but I just never get the time. Um, exactly. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's really nice. And I, I mean, like, uh, Adam, like friends of yours are doing like something similar right now, right? Mm. Like, yeah, they're doing... Yeah, they're doing like a collection of like 10 minute games as well. Um, and I feel like it's like, yeah, um, it's like, it would be so cool if short games were mainstream because like, I mean, I guess it's just kind of big, but it's not really big, you know? Um, like if yeah. more, if like the general like gaming talk was, mm-hmm. you know, about short more games, I think that would be... That. That would be fucking insane. It's definitely not big. So here's the thing with gaming communities and a lot of developers is like, like, and and people involved in our collections is like, there's a huge industry and it's a big industry and it's Nintendo, it's Xbox, it's PlayStation, right? And it's Steam. And there's all these people with all these connections and it's a like a, a high level group, like an inner group of people. I would say like just a few hundred developers that kind of like get the spotlight because they have all these connections. And then there's developers like that are just kind of like in their own like little group, right? And so to mm-hmm. them, they have their own idea. But the bigger industry has absolutely no idea what Haunted PS1 is or mm-hmm. uh, Wholesome Games, which is also mm-hmm. another, which is like four times as big as uh, Haunted PS1. Um, it yeah. just focuses on the wholesome games, you know. But like the bigger commu- like the bigger industry does not know about it, does not care about it. Like they are just <laughs> like, and they're making money, they're doing their thing, and everyone's talking about Red Dead Redemption and you know the new Star Wars, whatever uh, Battlefront. Like they're not like it's not even on their radar. So it's like it's really weird. Like I talk to developers and they're like, "This is such a big thing," and I'm like sitting here like what (laughs) it's really not yeah yeah like it's like it's all about perspective um but i think Mm. both is really good you know i because like i can't just be like i hate triple a games because like there's some like Mm. really fantastic like art artistry that comes with like Mm. that in its own way i just wish the people that were into the, the higher industry would also look at the short games and that's my job is to basically put it into a context like we were talking before that makes it interesting because a lot of people will probably copy off us. I'm not going to lie. They're going to try to do like 10 short games, but like, I like, first of all, like 
we welcome Haunted PS1 and like other horror communities. Please make more horror communities. They're awesome. And please do more short games because that's awesome too. Yeah. Um, but like you have to make it attractive and like look good and like have a point to it. Uh, mm. Have it resonate with people in order for people to care about it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it too. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I will speak on that a little bit about the the, mm-hmm. the competitive nature of the industry. Um, I there was a period when we first started doing this, and I mean like Dreadx Collection One. This is before Star was brought on, um, where we were talking about what how we were going to position ourselves and like what kind of themes we wanted to go for and what kind of devs we wanted to hire, and there was a discussion about. Um, you know, who are our direct competitors? Because that's, you know, when you're running a business, you have to discuss these kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Dread Central is a significantly larger site than Dread XP is. So they're, they view things much more, uh, they've been around for a lot longer, so they have a lot longer history. And there's a very, very competitive edge to uh, horror journalism in general. Like there's this top level feud between various different sites. And I think that that's, a natural byproduct of the horror landscape because you know it's like the washington post puts out an article and then the new york times is gonna have an article on that article and then everyone cannibalizes it that's just how media works um but when you're you know like at your house and you're a horror blogger and then you know you write an article about this and then it gets picked up by like seven other publications that are paying you you get better about it especially when it's like news or something anyways um so there was this question of like oh, our biggest competitor is, like, Haunted PS1 at the moment. And I was like, I don't really believe we should be viewing anyone as our competitor. We should be viewing everyone as potential partners. Because, like, what mm-hmm. we're doing here is we're trying to create an inclusive community of developers that come in and, like, we're all here to try to help each other succeed. Yep. And, you know, having some profit is is part of success. Like, I really, mm-hmm. I really, really greatly yeah. uh, dislike the ethos of making money corrupts you or that... Um, having contracts is a bad thing. Like I'm a really, really strong believer that good friends make good, like good contracts make good friends because we've all been in that situation where we're working with a close friend on something and we don't have any kind of like enumerated positions or contracts and you're like, Oh, this is going to be fine. We're all just going to be good bros together. And then like, but there's a difference of opinions on like what to do or who's in charge or whatever. There's going to be some kind of thing that happens along the way that's going to confuse the relationship and to not have it enumerated only leads to hurt feelings because you're going to have two different people with two different perspectives on where they stood within this arrangement. And, um, like, and, and there's nothing noble about not, not gaining from your work, you know? And there's nothing mm. noble about not having a contract. Oh, we just, we, we're just all, we're a company, we're, we're a band of brothers, you know, we're just like merry men of Robin Hood. Like, that doesn't really fucking exist in the real world. And, um, mm-hmm. like, while I, and, and that's what I'm saying is that, like, the Haunted PS1 thing is, is different than what we're doing because the Haunted PS1 is a loose collection of developers all creating things for their own that are lead-ins to their own personal brand. So you have these jams, which is, you know, everyone takes part in jam for their own fun. But the Haunted PS1 mm-hmm. demo disc is literally a demo disc for games for, like, Nate's trying to sell Effigy, which is part of the Haunted PS1 demo disc. Uh, James mm-hmm. is trying to sell Shatter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um... Mm-hmm. So it's it's an introduction to this game that's part of their own personal brand. Whereas with mm-hmm. Dread X Collection, like while you guys own the IPs, we're acting as publisher on uh, the titles, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all trying to, to better each other within the industry 
by profiting together and creating things for our collection rather than just yeah. using like we're not putting out a demo disc we're putting out a collection of short games um that's bundled together within a launcher as a singular polished product with its own story yeah. and with its own like you know its own theme and its own thing uh and that's what how we're really trying to to, to differentiate ourselves and um and, and the point i'm making is, is that there's space both for us as the dreadx collection and the haunted ps1 and other small game collections there's there's space for all of that in the industry as mm. long as that relationship can be productive and not antagonistic and it's really up to the individual members of each community for it to be productive and not antagonistic and um mm. that's one of the things that we work on star and i with the the marketing and the branding and stuff is to try to change the perception of indie games should be free to indie mm -hmm. games should be something that you pay a small amount for because we're not asking for 60 bucks for the Dread X collection. We're asking mm, for 10 yeah. bucks. And, you know, the only, the most common criticism we get is, why well, I can get these games for free on itch.io. And it's like, oh, so you don't think developers should get paid? And they're like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's like, well, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> and um, luckily, I, we don't get that kind of blowback from anyone that works on our it's games. Just it's just the implication. Just... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. like literally, the only negative feedback we've gotten on DreadX One is why aren't these free? Um, and DreadX Collection Two, and we've only had two negative reviews, and one of them was some guy saying that he hates that we have Black Lives Matter in our games. So yeah, so so them, yeah, yeah. In which case, he's, he's totally free to give us a bad review for that um, because I I stand by that. But whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like um, when we made No Players Online, uh, just as an example, um, we made it in Oct uh, yeah in October um, for Halloween, and um, like in those two, three, I mean, three two and a half months, we managed to be the people who made the most donations um, all year on itch, and like we got like listed on that on somewhere. And that's like really humbling and cool, but it's also kind of terrifying to think that if you like just want to finance yourself on donations, that uh, two people who like make one game like in the last quarter, not even a quarter of the year, uh, kind of outdo you. Like that really tells you about how people are donating actually. And yeah. I don't really want to like shame anybody because I'm not any better at this, but. Um, that's like not a sufficient um, living model to yeah. live on donations. Exactly, like why I want to help more developers. I've had so many developers be like, "I hate, like I don't want to build a community. I hate social mm -hmm. media. I just want to be in my cave and just make my games, and then I just want people to pay me for them." And I'm like, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Like you have to have a strategy uh, in mm -hmm. order to make a business model. And like you have to have a brand and like all of these things are like super scary to them. And I'm like, it's really pretty logical, but you just like you have to put in the work and not just focus mm. just on your game itself. You have to make a plan for yourself for your future because it's, it's you. It's for you. It's not for me. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so that's like what I'm preaching basically to them uh, is because I've already gone through this and I've seen it all pretty much at this point. Um, and I've, I've seen like really, yeah. really successful. I have friends that like practically solo developers that are millionaires like they had like two people working on a game and are millionaires uh mm -hmm. versus like a team of 15 people that like just the studio dissolved because they were working on something and that had no direction in it they had no mm. pipeline they didn't know what they were doing 
they just thought that, oh, I'll just make a game and make money. And then they ended up just like hating each other and walking away with no money whatsoever. Yeah. So, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's why, like, I pretty much, like, people are like, well, what? You're like, you're not even a developer. You're not a real developer. What do you do? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. True. I don't know. I, I yeah. went from being just another journalist to someone that's publishing games so quickly that people aren't exactly sure what to make of me. I have a lot of people <laughs> that are like hitting me up randomly, being like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Aren't you the person that five years ago called me like a hack fraud that like would never make it?" And they're like, "Huh, I was just kidding." Like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you should never oh, like. That's another thing is like being a professional means you should never like talk down to people because you you really don't know where they're gonna be a few years later. And even I mean, even if that's so, it doesn't matter. You should just be a decent human, anyways, and mm. never like yeah. judge other people. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to not be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, what, what you said earlier about that was really interesting about itch about how like you guys just like oh we just have you know because a lot of people think that it's hard work and effort and i'm like it's not it's actually mm -hmm. not about how, how hard you work it's about how like how smart you are like for example using like like publicly domain uh pictures to make you know like collages to make your mm -hmm. games well a lot of people are like well i can't make games unless i do the art myself or i can't make mm -hmm. games unless i hire a professional artist that worked on this other game because I need the specific artist yeah. that worked on the specific games, and I, yeah. and I just like I'm just like you are limiting yourself to the potential that you could possibly be doing if you and I fact I think the fact that you haven't played a lot of games same with Torpal do because he said the same thing has made it so that you don't have these expectations of what you should or should not do. Yeah, I I feel I really feel, do feel like strongly about it. It's like it's so um, I don't know I. It's like when I'm making an asset, it's like I'm always trying to ask myself, it's really like, is it really worth spending time on this? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, end but of I the day, you're... you know, it's like the, the point of the game is you want to say this thing and you want it to be this experience. So does it really matter that you like, you know, that this, you do this yourself or like this model is this detailed or whatever, you know? Um, but I think coming yeah were you gonna say more um i just gotta remember what i want to say but you can keep going <laughs> adam? adam oh oh just dropped out yeah oh shit oh, okay hello um yeah you can you can say your thing first it's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay um i think like coming to that conclusion that you want to work like that is though like what took the hard work because I think, um, uh, I mean, it's like the stupid, like, cheesy, uh, um, Jesus Christ, Picasso quote, where he's like, um, I, you know, it took me, like, this many years to, like, imitate this uh, person's, um, this person's uh, art style. And, like, it took me, like, 50 years to, like, draw, like, a five-year-old or something like that. And, mm -hmm. like, now he's, and then, like, he's at a point where he's really fast at it, but, like getting that skill set like up and ready that you can just like do that thing very quickly and like finding like the way that you can work very quickly like yeah it does take and, like uh, work and i think that's that's okay like yeah and i mean like obviously i'm i'm still you know i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not picasso and i'm not 60 years old but <laughs> you know um yeah 
it's like yeah i don't know it's i did i i do know what it was like like starting with games and being like obsessed with putting actual work into it but i just i just feel like you know i don't know there's like no point to putting work into something just for the sake of you know being like oh i put so much work into this mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah, nobody's oh, gonna yeah. care it's such a waste right? of time you know exactly exactly and it, it's like you you want to see them succeed though like you you don't want to you want to like still be supportive of them and like what do you yeah. do like <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, and I feel, I don't know, sometimes I, I, I help someone out and it's like, oh, you know, this is a really cool model, but, you know, if you put, like, three more filters on this, you don't have to model this as nice, you know, and then they feel, mm-hmm. like, insulted, like, you know, oh, you don't appreciate, like, the work, and it's like, it's not about it, but it's like, nobody cares about the model, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's like... Like, there's, like, a really funny parallel with that in music, which is just, like, using ambient sounds in your music. Like, mm-hmm. you know, vinyl crackle or something stupid like that. Like, that can make a huge impact or just, like, mm-hmm. putting, like, one distortion plugin on uh, on everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's very easy, but uh, it takes a lot of, like, guts to be, like, I'm going to do the stupid thing that... <laughs> Yeah. My favorite know. my favorite method of music production is still just ball stretch, you know? Like Oh to, yeah, yeah. You know, great. some music, stretching it out and it's like a new song, you know. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so good and it's so easy that like people wouldn't want to do it because like, oh this is too easy. Like yeah. I'm I'm gonna be called out as a fraud if I do it like this. <laughs> I, I don't know, that's at least always like my fear. When yeah. I do easy stuff, yeah, it's like yeah, I I don't, I don't know, I I do want I do want the games to be good, but it's like I want to focus on like the thing you're actually interacting with, you know. Um, I think that also makes your art style charming because it has like still this DIY quality to it. Yeah, <laughs> kind of rough around the edges. It's like oh, somebody like stapled us in a garage together. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that has a lot of charm. Hmm. you guys are awesome I, I really i really believe that like a big part to like making like partnerships work is like seeing like constantly being grateful for each other and seeing the hmm. best in each other because if, if people are like i feel like there's some developers out there are just like i have to be solo i can't work with anybody else um uh, because they're just so judgmental of other people and they don't have the appreciation Mm. Uh, or like what others can do and they don't give them like a real chance so mm. um, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like sometimes you do like game jams with like a bunch of people and they're like oh let's do a game jam together and it's like mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you're like oh you come up with an idea but it, um you spend a year like um sometimes you just like end up having to find like um something for someone to do because like you haven't have thought about like making the idea of the game around like the skill set of the people working on it and there's like two people that can code really well but like it's like we only really need one coder and then it's like you just feel guilty for not giving them enough stuff to do or something you know but it's like it's so much better if you just know like exactly what someone is good at and then they can just like you know you make a game around like the thing they're good at you know um yeah yeah adam just like a weird question but i wanted to ask you this for a while um 
Like, did you, like, in your youth ever, like, went to DIY punk shows? <laughs> Excuse me, what? DIY punk shows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, you have, like, a little, like, um, a, like, a, a concert venue that is kind of self-run by, like, a bunch mm. of, I don't know, 20-year-olds. And yeah. um, there's, like, putting on concerts and stuff like that and, like, so, setting like, signs. Yeah, that's like the the coolest shit. I, I've been to a few, but like I really, I really love the idea of setting up, you know, like um, a lemonade stand in front of your house. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like how many people actually do that? But you totally could, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like I think I like made a like a um, like a oh that I just don't know the flowmark. Do you know what that is? Um, yeah, um, like um, um, Hobomarkt, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't know the English What's word. The English word? Um, yeah, like a, a market where you sell sale? youth. No, yeah. Uh, sale. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was yeah. really weird because I was 10 years old and I didn't have anything to offer that anybody would be interested in. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I want to do like stuff like that though, like do um, like little super like low cost, just like experiments and like products and stuff. Like there's like this one idea I really want to do, but I'm also like too lazy. Um, it's, <laughs> it's just getting like um, you know how like video games are cool, but like you can't like touch them, and it's not like a physical thing you can collect. I feel like people pay more yeah. money. If you if you get like something in your mail, you know, and oh, it would yeah. be so cool if you made like really cool experimental games, and then like you put, um, but you yeah, can't then. like you can't yeah you can't like um, download the game, but you can like su subscribe to the service which sends you like oh. cassette tapes, like cassette tapes with like the key for the game on them, um, which is really dumb. But then the cassette Holy tape shit. is like an interview with the person who made the game. And like the the A side is like you listen to it before playing the game. Like the B side is like you listen to it after playing the game. And it's cool. That's because, really cool. Yeah, and then you can like design the cassette tapes and stuff. And it's like, oh shit, I want to do this every month for like ten dollars because it's like I'm getting a cassette tape from somewhere. Yeah. And they don't really care about the video game, but they care about the fact that they got <laughs> this cool cassette game. You know, I don't know. I think that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, on the Dread XP site, our uh, little icon for the web thing is now, now Tama. I just noticed that. What? Like in, the, in the tabs, you know, when you have tabs and like Twitter has the little bird and, you know, itch has the little controller in your web browser. Mm -hmm. Now is our little oh, yeah. mascot. I'm excited. Oh, shit. Oh, oh that's yeah. really cute. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, oh, I just no, noticed it's okay. It's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were going on a, a weird tangent. No, no, you yeah. guys are fantastic. <laughs> Although I, I, I am afraid that we will have to uh, wrap this up because we're at like an hour and 45 minutes now. Yep. Okay. So, uh, guys, um, folks, fellas, Victor and Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I mean, this was really awesome. I loved being able to chat yeah. with you guys. I would, I would love to be able to chat with you guys more. Uh, mm. When we uh, announced Dreadx Collection for oh whoa no we're not I'm just kidding uh, maybe, we are, maybe we're not who knows um, Star did you have any last questions 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, is there any, like, YouTubers or Twitch streamers that you'd, like, want to see play your game? Mm. Oh, um, God. I have, like, a personal, um, like, vendetta. No, I don't know. I just really <laughs> like Vinny, um, like Vinny from Vine Cells, and, like, oh. it's always, like, a personal victory for me whenever he plays, like, one of my games. And which is why I'm really jealous of Modus because he plays all of Modus's games. But you know, oh. <laughs> I um, yeah, he got a like uh, just like weird, um, but uh, kind of Markiplier because he like played two mm. games that we made. He actually played Spooker and No Players Online, Ooh. and it's I was like not super familiar with like his work before I watched uh, before he did that. And then I watch is like such a, I don't know. He just seems like such a nice goofball, and he's like a perfect person to play Spookware. He's really wholesome. Yeah. Did he play yeah, he played Spookware. Did um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I I feel like I did I not. Oh my god. Maybe you dreamt it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Maybe I dreamt it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's basically well, it. Yeah. Ted, do you have a last question before we go? No, no, Jesse, how about you? Um how's your day been? <laughs> um oh. horrible hole. No, it's <laughs> another twenty twenty kind of day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I have one more last message because I was forgetting this. Um, and we were talking about this earlier, like for like solo deaths, um, like you can overcome being like a self-centered and an asshole. It's totally possible to work <laughs> on other people together. <laughs> I don't know that sounds so bitchy, but I'm like saying this like from my own experience. Like it's worth it to step out of your comfort zone. Well, guys, this was a lovely pod. I'm glad you're able to join us. I know it's super late over in. Uh, Europa stand. So, it's only 4 a.m. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Adam and Victor, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you so much Thanks. for joining us today. It was really lovely. And uh, if you want to check out yeah. their newest addition to the Spookware franchise, aka uh, Spooky WarioWare, HorrorioWare, HorrorioWare, then check out the Dranix Collection 3 coming soon to Steam. Oh, cool. I just is the game bloody? Because then it could be a uh, uh, Goria where. Oh, oh that's good. <laughs> yes. that's good. Okay. Yeah, it but don't worry, bloody. it doesn't have too much of a story aware. <laughs> <laughs> but it will Florio wear you. Uh, <laughs> what about what about Santa and it's ho 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 you? Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. That joke, that joke was pretty Poreo aware, man. We're, we're stopping. We're stopping. No, stop. Stop. And cut. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. They call him Scooby Doo. They call show Scooby Doo. But Scooby doesn't do anything. Scooby is not involved. At the time, Scooby's not even involved. He's just a bystander. It's one of the worst films you've ever had. They call the show Scooby Doo and they're not delivering on Scooby Doo. This is not a show about a dog sniffing its ass, okay? This is your show of where the mystery games in the van. And they walk around in the dunes. They figure out, you know, mystery, they're solving mystery. And Scooby is not involved in any way, shape, or 
Scooby, frankly, it's much too much. Attention, money. We're giving way too much attention to Mr. Scooby. And he's not doing anything. Scooby-Doo, he doesn't do. So we call him Scooby, but he doesn't do. 